nice warm bed You just remember what your old past said Boy, you got a friend in me Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Journal Equality I'm Hitzer I'm Hadi I'm Aisa And this month we'll be talking about the summer blockbuster season Oh yeah Which has been pretty terrible, if I must say <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're the, right. The biggest movies of the month, your Dark Phoenixes, mm. your Men in Blacks. International, don't forget. International. Men in Black 4. Yeah. Uh, were quite, quite terrible. Mm-hmm. But it is somewhat compensated by a lot of good TV. Yep. Uh, and one excellent franchise edition yeah. in Toy Story 4, yeah. which, uh, you know, went against all cynical expectations and actually delivered a really, really good movie. Yeah. I mean, seriously, right? Tell me another movie franchise where all four movies are good. It's tough, I right? I don't think it exists. It's very hard to, yeah. to really think of it. Like, I mean, if we really think about it, maybe we might come up with like it's not at the top of our head, right? No, yeah. not at all, man. So it's uh, Toy Story Four is is pretty much a flawless franchise, which yeah. is why I think that's our top story of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news: Toy Story Four is good, guys. Um, of course, like Hadi mentioned, we're heading into the fourth movie of a 24-year-old franchise. Yeah. And even one helmed by Disney and Pixar, it's it's hard not to be cynical when it was announced. Yeah, what could Toy Story 4 do that Toy Story, Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3 couldn't? And what could it take to make yet another, you know, good Toy Story movie? What could it take to make it feel new? Why risk tarnishing the gold standard of animation franchises yeah. and mm. probably the most perfect trilogy of all time? I agree. Well, after watching Toy Story 4, I think we've all come to realize that we should never doubt Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. Or Toy Story, this particular franchise. Yeah. They can go up to 400 if they want to. I will believe in you. Uh, and like I said, against all cynical expectations, Toy Story Pro 4 proves to be um, poignant, dazzling, charming, yeah. uh, wonderfully emotional. And I think it feels more like an epilogue than a new entry. Uh, mm. To everything that came before yeah. Yeah. Um, The introduction of Forky Especially brings A new focus To the existential crisis Of these toys yeah. He is like the focal point But you know It's part of a larger team yeah. uh, Made by Woody's New kid Bonnie Who mm-hmm. you may have uh, Remembered from the end Of Toy Story 3 mm-hmm. uh, Forky is a toy Created during an Arts and crafts sessions With things found in the trash yep. uh, Bonnie loves Forky Very much But Forky helps Because Forky helps her get, get through the You know The scary new experience Of uh, kindergarten Um, but it's not so easy for Forky, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, not only is Forky horrified by his sudden sentience, his confusion <laughs> is exacerbated because he defines himself as, as disposable trash, yeah. which he is. He spends the whole movie trying to commit suicide, essentially, and it would be Black Mirror levels dark if it wasn't also funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and that sense of existential uncertainty permeates throughout all the characters in this whole movie, uh, which is centered around Woody more than any of the other films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody isn't Bonnie's. Favorite toy like he was for Andy, and he's frequently left in a closet to collect dust. Uh, for a character who defines himself through mutual love and his selfless ability to bring comfort to a child in need, he must now confront obsolescence and, I guess, forced retirement. Yeah. Uh, who is he if he's not a toy? Um, toy Story 4 is like a celebration of love more than anything. You know, the magic in it to transform us, and the terminal pain that arises when love goes unreturned. Mm. You know. Um, if love sustains us, as Woody explains to Forky in so many ways, then we do everything we can to return and preserve it. It's what pulls them through the rough patches in previous movies, and is the one thing that keeps Woody going. Uh, as for toys, love has mortal implications, though. Uh, to love and to be loved is their entire life's purpose. And if Woody's reason to exist relies on love, Toy Story 4 asks bleakly, "What happens if that love is taken away?" Yeah. Uh, so they did find something new to talk about and to. To explore in Toy Story 4 Which surprised the hell out of me um, What did you guys think of Toy Story 
Honest, I I literally as of this recording, I just watched it. Yeah, like yeah. a couple hours ago. Um, uh, before I get into like the more you know, the content stuff, mm. can you, the rain effects were in the beginning was fucking fantastic, right? It's amazing how far animation has come. The water effects was like wow, like when it was like the water just uh, just rolling past, rolling down uh, Woody's back. Mm. And all that, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, or even like the cardboard box that was being soaked, right? Yeah, and I was amazing. like thinking, "This has gone so far." I mean, if you rewatch Toy Story one and two, then you realize that technology has really it is. And uh, but that's not to say that the early movies have aged poorly. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but animation still, has come a long way, man. I mean, it was fun to. Uh, but honestly, this movie yeah, touched all the right notes, lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed. Um, I. I I had a very noisy cinema because you know it's a kids movie that mm-hmm. a lot of kids just. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, you you could have that. Really, you really delved into the story of Forky, his existential crisis, existential existential crisis, uh, and just the fact that Woody had lost his purpose, you know, and therefore using Forky as a a, a crutch, lah. Mm. You know, trying to regain some sense of purpose through Forky. Mm. I thought that was quite quite fun to actually watch. Uh, Buzz Lightyear and his inner voice monologue throughout. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. Brilliant. Buzz Lightyear though was kind of reduced to a one joke uh, character yeah, in this yeah, particular yeah. movie, so yeah. it wasn't really about him. Yeah, I of, guess. Course yeah, not, yeah. of course not. But it was entertaining. It was right. Yeah. Uh, and it was <laughs> and the toys kept jumping out of the fucking window. I mean, it's a recurring um, joke, lah. For was, all yeah. for all of the. the yeah, um, I think if you aren't familiar with the movie, the premise is Bonnie's family goes on a road trip, yep. and Forky tries to off himself by dumping himself in the Into middle the of trash. a highway. Uh, and in eventually into the trash, I guess. And Woody endeavors to bring him back, like Hardy mentioned, because he understands how much Bonnie loves Forky. Yeah. Uh, and therein lies the adventure. La. There's a myriad of obstacles involving a creepy antique store, which is basically a purgatory for toys, mm-hmm. and also a fun fair. Uh, along the way, we get to meet some very amusing new toys, some of which Hardy and I already alluded to, voiced by Key and Peele. Oh, they are fun. Uh, Tony Hill, who voices Forky. Christina Hendricks, who voices the creepy antique doll. Uh, what's uh, and Gabby. Gabby, Gabby. 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 Uh, Gabby. And many more, including Keanu Reeves. It is the season oh, of Keanu, guys. Yeah. He's in John Wick 3, Always Be My Baby. And now, when he is on screen, steals the show in Toy Story 4, he as did. he always does. Yeah, with his uh, tragic backstory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what does Isa think about the movie? Oh, wow. Um... I I really enjoy it, Toy Story Four. I I I don't really know how else we can sing the praises of a franchise that has brought us consistently, uh, great installments over the course of what twenty four years. Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. Nineteen ninety five was Toy Story One. Quarter of right? a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So I, how do we even like begin to to discuss um a story that began when we were kids, mm. right? Quite literally. Yeah. Right. So nineteen ninety five, we were like in primary I was, school. Uh, it- yeah, so mm. uh, from that, and we've grown up with these characters, right? And we grew up with Andy, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. true, right? Yeah. Uh, that's true. So how do we? Uh, when I left the cinema, I was kind of wondering how do we kind of like understand the things that you're doing? How do you make a a, a story essentially for kids, right? But at mm. the same time, appeal to the audience that have grown up with it, mm. you know? and at the same time, talk about something new, something yeah. that they haven't done yeah. before. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they did it very, very well. The pacing was great. Uh, and of course all the voice actors are pretty much all of them returned right mm-hmm. and the few new additions are great like um, Reeves as what, the Duke, Canadian Duke, Evil Knievel yeah, yeah Duke Kaboom Duke Kaboom yeah right uh, was yeah. great yes I, we I Canada Chris- yes we Canada <laughs> I love that uh, Christina <laughs> was, Hendricks was great and Gabby Gabby Gabby's um, mm-hmm. story arc very by nuanced. far very uh, nuanced, it's yeah. my favourite of the entire thing more so than Woody's mm. uh, which I did feel was a little uh, telegraphed 
uh, overall. But I mean, by all means, the return of Bo Peep was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would totally dig uh, if they actually did a movie about Bo Peep's adventures. As a lost toy, I mm. think that's oh. a very interesting. Or oh, a TV series. Yeah, a TV series. I would, I would yeah. Disney Plus coming soon. Exactly. You know, you never know. Yeah. It would be a great tie-in. Yeah. You know, uh, the lost toys. I are. don't know if they should do another Toy Story four. Uh, another Toy Story. Toy Story yes, five, lah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I also, I'm not sure about that. Although the lost toys sounds like a great idea. Although it does sound like vampire toys. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. You know, they should just make that joke if they do. If they do do that. Uh, I I like the little cameos like um, what's his name? Uh, Combat Carl. Combat mm. Carl, yeah. Combat yeah. Carl was voiced by Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost said Urban, but yeah, Carl Weathers. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you all alluded to, Bo Peep uh, makes a return appearance uh, mm. and now lives as a nomadic lost toy, mm. going around seeing the world and finding personal fulfillment. Yeah. Uh, not only does Woody have unrequited feelings for Bo Peep, you know, that's been kind of stretched out over the yeah. duration of the movies. He's also intrigued by her new way of life. She's yeah. undefined. She's free. Uh, he wonders if that may be the way to go for him, and must reconcile his innate selflessness for his kid and mm. a newfound desire for personal fulfillment. Perhaps mm. he can find the love that he's looking for somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe with Bo Peep. Because strangely, Woody is a 1950s toy. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's an antique. Yeah. Exactly, and I don't think that Andy, ma- Andy can't be his first owner, right? No, probably from his dad. Right, and like a generational well, kind a, of toy. There right? was a theory about that, right? Like there yeah. was a fan theory about how um, he used to belong to. Su- like grandfather yeah, or maybe, something maybe. along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what's interesting also? I feel that the next story should be set in a dystopian universe. <laughs> mm. As in <laughs> like only a post- toys exist. Apocalyptic <laughs> world and just toys. So it's like cars. La. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a theory about cars. Yeah. That's I think one of the wor- one of the less like uh, I mean not among kids but among us. La. Among yeah, adult uh for Pixar franchises at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess besides his themes, Toy Story 4 is actually the best looking and most vivid mm, of uh, mm. of all the movies. They yeah. make full use of the advances in technology yeah. to craft some fantastically entertaining set pieces and sequences which yeah. are very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most importantly, I think it retains Toy Story's very personal and very heartfelt core. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's all it's very perfectly together, uh, put together. If you thought Woody's arc was serviced to a perfect end during the climax of Toy mm-hmm. Story 3, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised to see that Toy Story 4 finds a ne- some necessary growth and unexpected yeah. development for Woody yeah. Uh, and new themes to explore. Um, they found yet another way to say goodbye. Yeah. And by the end, it feels totally earned. I think Pixar could easily retire the series with a clean sweep. Yep. Yeah. I have sure. a feeling Disney won't want to because it makes them too much money. And uh, I mean the product placement. Whoo, I mean all the toys are essentially you know for sale. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I would love to see more of that la. for my kids. Uh, you know, next time when I have kids. Yeah. Buy them a Woody toy. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any like parting thoughts about Toy Story 4? Uh, it's a definite must watch. If yeah. you haven't caught it, go and fucking catch it. How about you, Isaac? Yep, uh, I totally agree. Like, I'm going to give it like an 8.5. Nice. I'm giving yeah. it an 8 out of 10 as well. What I'm about you, Hardy? 8.5. Yeah. 8.5. Okay, before we move on, yeah. how would you rate Toy Story 1, 2, and 3? Uh, 1 is an 8. Okay. 2 is a 9. Okay. Sorry, uh, 8 or so. 3 is a 9. Okay. Yeah, and then this is an 8.5. Ooh, Ooh, interesting. Okay. Uh, 1 is an 8. 2 is a 7 for me. Mm. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 3 yeah. is an 8.5. 8.5. 4 is an 8.5. Yeah. Okay. Toy Story 1 to me was an 8. Uh, yeah. Toy Story 2, uh, I loved it a lot. It's 10. Okay. Toy Story 3 is 10. And this okay. is back down to 8. 
So this is one of the lesser entries, but if, if this is their version of a lesser entry, like, you know, yeah. I mean, fine. are you are you kidding me? It's just we are spoiled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they can maintain, I uh, have to keep in mind. Like, if they can maintain like this level, then yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing it forever. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this really can be one of those franchises where every single f- movie is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if like seven Toy Story seven in twenty years time and it's still fantastic. Mm. Captain America is a great trilogy. I think it's perfect. Planet of the Apes But not not Doesn't go up to 4 though Ah okay That's true Yeah, yeah. So that's new That's new The 4 one right. Yeah the 4th one a, qu- a quadrology Quadrology So many people Were surprised When they announced Toy Story 4 Yeah, yeah Everyone I was thought surprised. 3 was great Right yeah. Let's just end and it like, there It's a good closure mm-hmm. Yeah what, what to do Yeah uh, So definitely High recommend If you haven't seen it Go out go and, watch and watch it Preferably If you're an adult Late at night To avoid very na- noisy kids Yeah but if you can't It's okay Yeah yeah I, I guess they add to the atmosphere Of a kids a bit, movie Yeah uh, next up, I think Hardy would kill me if I didn't put this second uh, because oh, it's yeah. a, a big one for Hardy. Um, adapted from Terry Pratchett and Neil yes. Gaiman's oh. beloved fantasy comedy novel, we're going to be talking about the television adaptation of Not Good from Omen. Netflix, from Amazon. From Amazon. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about Good Omens, the, the new miniseries from Amazon Prime. Yes. Uh, I think it is a delightfully twee romp through the apocalypse it relies heavily on michael sheen and david tennant's yep. <laughs> devilish <laughs> bromance and divine chemistry yeah uh good omens actually more than anything more than a story follows the unlikely friendship of this angel and this demon amongst yeah. a colorful cast of you know witches and mythical beings and a polite tween antichrist mm-hmm. as they try to prevent or at least postpone armageddon yeah uh this may not be an entirely faithful translation as it does have some minor flaws uh, yeah and some liberties lah. but it does what i think is most important it stays true to the novel's idiosyncratic Tapestry, Correct. narrative detours, and all, mm-hmm. and perfectly bottles its irreverent tone. Mm-hmm. I guess we gotta go to Hardy for this one first, as a big uh, lover of the book, and now having seen the adaptation, how does it live up? Oh, it was such a perfect. I mean, uh, as for me la, I am mm. a Terry Pratchett fan, and I thought this really brought justice to his work lah. I mean, Neil Gaiman has all these. Terry Pratchett, in fact, wanted to make this series for a long time, mm-hmm. and I mean, he couldn't live to see it, but. I really feel that it, it really did justice to it. Mm. Um, yeah, there were some liberties, but honestly, this was exactly how I pictured the book to be. Like the characters, David Tennant and uh, Michael Sheen, right? Mm-hmm. God damn it, they really played those characters <laughs> so fucking well. Like that was exactly how I pictured those characters to be. Mm. And that's, uh, that's something that I will harp on over and over again because I was just, it's unbelievable, you know? Like American Gods, you know? An, a new Gaiman vehicle definitely but mm. the first season great uh, yeah, yeah great but more or less close enough but mm. for me Good Omens is even more true to the book mm. even with the little little liberties that they take here and there but I feel yeah. that those liberties were because it's a television series la. yeah, yeah they can yeah. do more actually exactly yeah. you can show more and all that which I love mm. um, apart from the two actors though uh, there were some issues lah some pacing issues here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some of the c- side characters weren't really well, like uh, Whitehall, you know, like, okay lah, his character was fun, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever lah. Okay. You know? Uh, I'm a Whitehall fan. I, I really like his comedy and I really like his his uh, irreverent... Jack Whitehall. Jack right? Whitehall, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a decent uh, stand-up comic lah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an actor, I'm not really that keen on him lah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, the story, you know, the the whole like witch hunter and witch and mm-hmm. yeah, it's all really Terry Pratchett 
esque mm. in the in the parody of uh, of a uh, fantasy uh, fantasy stereotypes. Fantasy yeah, tropes. Yeah. Tropes. Yeah. yeah. Which I really like, and I I like to that that they're really true to the scene. The Antichrist story was great. Who mm. did the actor that they chose that kid? Mm. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Just the way that like, he was supposed to be, lah. Yeah. You know, and I like how the Antichrist was brought up in a very proper English family, lah. Mm. You know, a very middle class English family. Yeah, in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where he's totally that was not supposed to be his destiny. Uh, there were very sweet moments. Uh, when it came to friendship, you know, which we. Which is a theme throughout, mm. uh, with David Tennant, Michael Sheen, and also the kids lah, mm. and their friendship. Um, the appearance of the four horsemen yeah. that was great. Uh, that was something I wish that could be expanded on a bit. Mm. Like that, I felt was a bit, uh, yeah, you know, they, not really. They kind of just shoehorned it. Shoehorned it exactly. To push the plot. But they were also like that in the books lah. To be fair. Okay. Yeah, they were not really that. Um, yeah, but I thought you know TV series so you can actually like expand on it. Like how they expanded on uh, in American Gods when they expanded on um. The wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, this series really was true to the book, and I loved it. I had very little problems with it, lah. Mm. Yeah. What so about Isa? Wow. Um, probably one of the best adaptations this year. I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Like, wow. Tenant and Sheen are the linchpin of this series. Yeah. Right. And Wouldn't like, there's no them. taking, there's no taking that away from them. Uh, the series would collapse as good as everything else is. Right. Mm. It would collapse if it wasn't for that ridiculous chemistry that they have. Mm. You know, and uh, it's very clear. You know, I think their real life friendship is also extremely obvious in that. Right. Um, and both characters are very, very well fleshed out across like this. Um. Across across the centuries, you know, and like every time they meet and all of that, like every moment they are on screen is never wasted, mm. you know. And I really really love that about it. Um, but like Hadi said, yeah, a, a few pacing issues here and there. Mm. I did think that the uh, script was great, mm. um, but I wanted to see a bit more, especially when we were approaching the climax. Like the last three episodes I felt were a bit rushed mm. in my opinion especially with um, how the the whole second arc felt a lot more full and um, act three felt very rushed you know uh, even the resolution itself was also rushed so uh, yeah. yeah so mm. uh, overall I highly recommend it yeah um, I, I like the whole you know gay cosmic buddy comedy vibe uh, it's a romper uh, and a, a very very enjoyable one at that uh, my issue wasn't so much with the pacing because it is a very short series. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think my issue was that like its twee tone gets very one note by the end. Okay. Uh, yeah. I kind of wanted a bit more diversity in the type of storytelling, but mm. you know, uh, it is what it is, lah. Yes. Uh, I did yeah. feel that they try, yeah, especially like post climax, mm. right, mm. with the whole like uh, um, choosing their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, I felt they could have definitely gone a lot deeper in that. I definitely wanted to see a lot more of um the consequences of what they were mm. going to do and how they would have played out in both heaven and hell. Yeah, mm. yeah. you know. But that they never really got there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, oh well. Um, I would rate this a seven out of ten. So it's a recommendation from me. I'm biased, so it's eight and a half. Okay. Ooh, it's a seven and a half for me. Nice. Uh, all all high marks, so Two. you should definitely watch it. And also, it is a Amazon Prime series. Yes. Uh, a bunch of uh, Christian fundamentalists have. Uh, I mean, predictably, yeah, uh, yeah. object to this uh, <laughs> book and mini series, and they have petitioned Netflix to cancel it. Yeah. Although it's on Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix is glad for the free publicity, free publicity. as is Amazon Prime, yeah. to be honest. So it works out for everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
This kind of reminds me of Dogma back in the day, yeah, you know, in does. the Kevin Smith movie, yeah, and all the petitions and all yeah. that, and Marilyn Manson, yeah. and then they bought all the Marilyn Manson albums and then burnt it and then gave him so much money. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, lah. It is. I mean, NWA is another famous time when everybody bought all the albums and burned their albums and just buy more, lah. Yeah, 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 fantastic. <laughs> Eminem and all that. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for the free publicity, Christian. Correct. <laughs> Uh, next okay, up Okay we shouldn't say Christians But these are A, a very specific set of Christians la. Of course Of course yeah. yeah yeah I mean that particular group Is a Christian group yeah. And the religion That they are parodying Is Christianity mm-hmm. So yeah la, Of course they would be The most offended Yeah I yeah. mean What to do What to do uh, Next up We'll be talking about The season 5 Of Black Mirror um, After an interactive Choose your own adventure detour Called Bandersnatch, Bandersnatch. Uh, This beloved sci-fi anthology Returns Uh, for a proper season with a batch of new episodes, it returns to its original three per season format rather than the six when it moved to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mostly because Bandersnatch was pretty much three episodes, lah. Yeah. In one. Yeah. Uh, I think uh Charlie Brooker for the most part hasn't lost his touch. Nope. At its core, Black Mirror, you know, posits cautionary tales about technology, showing darker paths mm-hmm. of things like social networks, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, gamification, mm-hmm. and all, and what they can all lead to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while that trait is still very much present, I like that Black Mirror is starting to let go of its dystopian cynicism mm-hmm. once in a while, at least. Okay. While its twistiness has been accused of being overly pessimistic in the past, yeah. uh, more recently its best episodes have been hopeful and or triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it still navigates, you know. Complex morality and and but it just isn't so necessarily glum about human nature. Yeah, uh, of course, Black Mirror. Oh, American lah, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's it's I think a necessary evolution. Yeah. Uh, because Black Mirror was in danger of becoming that one note uh, depression porn Correct. thing. Uh, of course, Black Mirror is still dark as fuck lah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's just relatively less dark. Yeah. Uh, and season five continues to lighten up to varying degrees of success yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna review. We are gonna review Black Mirror slightly differently than other shows. Sure. We're gonna review it episode by episode. Yay! I mean, it's just three, right? So yeah. yeah. I mean, it's anthology. No choice. No choice, right? <laughs> uh. First off, uh, striking vipers. Mm. The first episode, I think, in my opinion, strongest and most poignant of the lot this season. Okay. Uh, it stars Anthony Mackie, aka Falcon, and Yaya Abdul Mateen, aka Black Manta, mm-hmm. and also the girl who plays uh, Mantis. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of superheroes in this one. Yep. Uh, it tells the story of two best friends, straight black men, who come to use a VR fighting video game, Tekken-esque video game, as a means to explore their sexual identity mm-hmm. or gender identity. Yeah. In one case. Uh, I enjoyed it because it's uh, refreshingly resistant to labels. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's outwardly about how digital worlds can warp people's self-image, yeah. but most importantly, it's thoughtfully ambiguous about so- sexuality and gender, <laughs> and to a lesser extent, the unnaturalness of monogamy. Um, it never pigeonholes these guys as gay or bi or trans. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, yeah. Uh, It's more about fluidity. It rather yeah. shows us that how it shows us how our understanding of sexuality and gender is painfully limited mm. because of you know how we've been brought up or how society is crafted lah. Yeah. Uh, and our understanding of sexuality and gender is continually evolving, and it will continue to evolve with technology. Mm. Um, it's an inscrutable romance story. Uh, and also, and to a lesser extent about monogamy also. Yeah. Uh, and it got me thinking and feeling uh, for its confused characters. What mm. do you guys think of Striking Vipers? Um, both the main characters were great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the whole idea of uh, virtual sex is not that new. New. That new, lah. Not at all. Um, but this is like a whole like whole other 
insane experience that I feel that we are actually coming to lah. Mm-hmm. You know where you can really have virtual sex lah, where your your mind is transported or something that is not really that far fetched anymore. Mm. Um, great, great um, use of the Street Fighter Tekken esque theme. Mm. You know where actually they didn't really fight much lah. <laughs> Because yeah, that was not the point, lah. Like yeah. No, but the the fight was internally, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Internal exactly. Yeah. Um, I love the confusion. I love that they fought in real life, but they didn't yes, fight in the game. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they fought a bit, but yeah, they yeah. they had a physical fight. And <laughs> They actually wanted to test out when they were, sorry spoiler yeah spoiler here but yeah when they wanted to test out that they were gay yeah so they, they tried kissing no but I thought it was a perfectly it logical was perfect. yeah correct yeah. because you wanted to see whether in real life you and yeah it was a completely legitimate question exactly with a very definite answer because I, I felt that if I did that with you guys right I would definitely want to know so whether in real life we have yeah, that sure. kind of attraction uh but overall really well you're right it's a, it's really well written the nuances were. All over the place, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um, that relationship between him and his wife and that tension mm. that was building throughout, and how it kind of you I know, like how it was very subtle in showing that he wasn't gay because he was checking out other women. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, gay; yeah, he was yeah. bored. He was bored. Yeah. yeah, and that that yeah, I enjoyed this uh, debut lah. I uh, not debut season premiere. Premiere, yeah, yeah, and I really. F- It really put me on a high note. Um, like I was really looking forward to to episode two and three. High expectations. Yeah, really high expectations. What about you, Isa? Oh, I I think Hardy has covered like kind of the bulk of it, right? You know, thematically, everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and we always say we always. I mean, or at, at least it's always known that the first adopter of kind of like any new technology is either going to be the military or porn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but in this particular case, it's neither one of those things, mm. right? But. Uh, technology that allows us the avenue to explore something that it wasn't made for mm. in this particular case with the mm. whole uh, Striking Vipers game mm. and how it allowed for that to happen much like you know uh, the strange uh, sex role playing that you find in uh, WoW yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? which they kind of uh, talked about the one where he fucked the panda yeah polar yeah. bear polar, polar bear. bear sorry panda. yeah I fucked the polar bear and I still think about you yeah. it's the most romantic line of 2019 yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh It, uh, it was great I, I thought it was a great way To open uh, The season mm-hmm. uh, Unfortunately <laughs> It was also The only uh, great Highlight ep- for me Great episode Great episode, episode, great episode yeah. For this particular season Because Everything else was good But like This one really really It stood head and shoulders Yeah, yeah this one, uh, The rest were a bit On a decline I agree uh, yeah. Although they weren't bad They mm-hmm. weren't bad They were just mm-hmm. not as good uh, I would rate this An 8 out of 10 For eight. this particular eight. Yep I'm gonna yeah. give it 8 Uh, next one is uh episode called Smithereens. Mm. It's the second episode. It's a bit of a mixed bag and works in some ways but fails in others. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one seeks to be an indictment of uh, technology's addictive qualities, but mm-hmm. the execution of how that idea plays out, the review of the way addiction damages one man's life is so blunt and it fails to be meaningful, to be honest. Yeah. Um, on the plus side, it's just a story without its thematics. It's actually a well-crafted piece of tension. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Scott, aka Moriarty, or Hot Priest from Feedback Season 2, yeah. is, 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 is wonderful in it. Yeah. As is Stouffer Grace, who makes his second appearance in a Netflix sci-fi anthology this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was in that... Uh, Love, Death, and Love Robots. Death and Robots. Yeah, uh, so I guess it's great on a just a story level, yeah. but kind of bad on what Black Mirror is supposed to be, which is a social allegory. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's parable is too unfocused. Yeah, What do you guys yeah. think? Honestly, the I felt that the fear wasn't that he was being that uh that he you know that his life was ruined and whatever lah. I thought the 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 real fear was the surveillance lah. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you fact know? that they the, could track him. How how him. throughout the thing they knew exactly what was going on yeah. through his phone, through the tweets. Mm. I mean, they, they called it something else. It wasn't tweets, but whatever. Mm. Um, and how there was this. You are really powerless when a big corporation were if they really took interest in you, lah. You yeah. know, something again not and uh, again in team with Black Mirror is not something far fetched. No, it actually it, takes place last year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My, this is more similar to the Prime Minister fucking a pig story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in that it doesn't use future technology; it uses doesn't. present technology. Yeah, yeah. And the whole idea of how, and it's true, you know. I mean, we see it on a small scale where your ads are 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 connected to what you're talking about. Yeah, man. Not necessarily mm-hmm. what you type, but what you're actually having a physical conversation, and mm. somehow your phone listens to it and. You know the ads come out appropriately, lah. <laughs> I mean, I do kind of enjoy it, like, actually. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I I know I know where to stream the new like pay per view or something. You know? like, exactly. Perfect, yeah. Yeah. So there is that because that is the benefit that is supposed to 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 have, lah. Yeah. yeah. Marketing. Yeah. yeah. But the 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 other consequence is mm. you are your privacy is a lie, lah. Yeah. Correct. And I feel that that is that trade off that we we as humans would have to do, lah. Mm. You know this whole social credit thing that's happening in China and all that. You know, which Black Mirror also had nose dive. On, yeah, it's gonna be something that is gonna be pervasive. Yeah, mm. and I don't know. This I, I this was the scary thing for them for me during this episode was the surveillance and not the addictive quality. That addictive quality, yeah. Because that one we all know, and it was really on the nose, lah. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. The whole like the wife dying because he was checking his text, yeah, lah. The yeah, but I mean that happens all the time. Yeah, whether it was text messages or yeah. even before then is to be honest that's personal responsibility yeah. responsibility like that he shocked oh uh, but i do like the ambiguity of the end yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. thank god they did that yeah yeah what about you isa oh uh, okay so all in all it was pretty meh <laughs> uh what fascinated me the most right i think is probably one of the first times that we have a sci-fi anthology exploring the idea of surveillance being conducted by a major corporation whereby the participation is purely opt-in Mm. Right, the uh, surveillance is conducted by a corporation and not the government. Right, uh, and uh, it largely we see that the authorities, in this case, the police, and that weird one weird FBI guy, yeah, um, kind of sitting on the sidelines, mm-hmm. right, and not completely like involved with that. Uh, but so much of that surveillance outside of the actual tapping of his phone itself, right, comes from the bystanders and eyewitnesses who are on the scene itself, yeah. right, and them being able to pull this entire the whole idea that. Um, Panopticon is reversed now, mm. right? It is all prisoners watching mm-hmm. uh, instead of you know the the eye in the sky. Uh, I, that was the most fascinating part about it. I wish they could have explored that more. But given the vehicle, quite literally, mm. uh, <laughs> that they were trying, they, they were using. I I don't see how they could have done it any other way. Yeah, you know. Um, and it, it's interesting to see how. The the small physical space of the car itself, right, contrasts with like this whole wide network mm. that they are trying to pull information from. Mm. When all the drama in and of itself, like, takes place within in within a car, the car mm. you know, with uh, with the poor intern. Yeah, yeah. well, I, mean, I guess it's supposed to represent how you know our worlds are smaller and bigger at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would rate this a six out of ten. How about you guys? Uh, I'm all a bit lenient, like seven out of ten. Seven, okay, yeah. it's a six for me. Yeah, uh, I mean, still a pass. Yeah, and still yeah. a recommendation. Yeah. I don't think there. Well, there's one, only one black bad Black Mirror episode. I feel. Which one? I think it's the Waldo Wally, the the really? the soft the animatronic the toy, toy that became a uh, prime minister or was running for prime minister. The I voice, thought, like the voice. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was really bad. The one with the CIA bought them and all that. 
Yeah, yeah I thought I thought that ended up being really bad lah. But I, I felt that as a solo. Okay, yeah, okay. I get that, but mm. I think it's because the other episodes in that season were really, mm, good. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be right back is my favorite of all yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. The one with uh, Agent Carter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley too. Uh, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley too is a fun episode. It's probably the series's most intentionally comedic to date. Mm. Uh, it's all relative, of course, because there's a lot of disturbing things that happen here as well. Yeah. Um, it stars Miley Cyrus as a pop star whose manipulative manager has found a new way to exploit her using a toy called Ashley too. Mm. Uh, the toy which is part AI uh, and part talking and dancing action figure is aimed at teenage fans and it's clearly hits its target when a young girl named Rachel gets Ashley 2 as a gift for mm-hmm. her birthday. Uh, we get some intriguing but well-trodden questions about the nature of celebrity, the commod- commodification of pop stars mm-hmm. and the limits and expectations of fandom. Uh, but hey, it's actually a really fun story. It is. Uh, although I've you know seen and heard it all before, and we get a really we get a few actually a couple of uh, great Miley Cyrus covers of Nine Inch Nails songs. Yeah, so that's a win in my book. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, Miley, great, right? Yeah, Miley yeah, was, was great for convinced. me. Um, I really liked uh, what's that stupid toy called? Ashley, Ashley, Ashley two. two, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say Miley two. <laughs> yeah, but Ashley two was. Uh, uh, how they you know once that 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 unlock was taken out and how she had her true feelings yeah mm. and really then the whole idea of sentience again comes into question yes for sure like is actually to yeah, a real thing they a real ident- person they both identify like, as actually yeah yes. she's a cookie la, essentially. she's a cookie correct yeah. Um, but great, great, great work by everybody here. I mean, the the sisters dynamic were great. Mm-hmm. You know that that one rebel sister and that one really mm. tween. I don't know whether I found her annoying sister. because she's too similar to me, or whether I just hate the potential. I think it's because she's too similar to me, like. I think so. Like you know, yeah. I remember being thirteen. Like, oh, I listen to Pixies. I'm so cool. <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of thing. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I love their dynamic though. Yeah, with even their father, the whole idea of that red. The father red is it is is a one joke uh, character. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then there's that whole you know the issue of the father not being there when the daughters need her need him the most and etc etc. Mm-hmm. But again, this story I think you covered most of it. But I thought it was very fun. Um, it was really dark at certain moments. The mm-hmm. one when when especially she was in the induced coma. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And how and the, when they're trying to extract the song from her brain waves mm. and how ridiculously like evil Dark, sounding yeah, the sound yeah. the song was and then they just tweaked it. Mm. Positive slider. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> So when they tweaked it, right? That was the scary part, man. Mm. Like suddenly, that the the meaning of uh, the, the the what you wanted to to convey was gone. It was something totally different, lah. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but this was fun. Yeah, but again, not that not like a great episode as the first one. What about you, Isa? Uh. Okay. J- just honestly, I watched the episode because I wanted to hear the covers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the moment they they talked about that and the fact that Trent Reznor loves what Miley did. For the covers, right, got mm. me interested. Mm. Um, but I think what was interesting for me, right, I, uh, you guys have covered most of the bases, is that uh, what we're also watching right now is Carol and Tuesday. Yeah, right? kind and of similar idea. They mm. kind of, kind of, kind like of the a- whole idea of like AI produced music. Mm. But in this particular case, you can't replace the human element mm. here. They need to keep her alive, otherwise. Mm. Whatever they copied into Ashley too mm. could just make the music anyway. Yeah, you know, which I found fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, other than the fact that it's completely manufactured and the fact that they were going to, you know, this whole hologram thing, which we've been up in arms about since. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since you know, about five years ago, six since years Tupac ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tupac. Tupac. So, uh, 
uh, it's just one of those things that, as a tangent, I found interesting. Mm. Overall, it's it's a f- it's it's a fun adventure, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like got a buddy cop thing going on. Yeah, and uh, it was great. I was actually very surprised by Miley's um, performance. Performance. I thought that her in her darker moments and being destroyed and all that very believable, uh, very well done. Yeah, uh, which which took me by surprise. Nice. Yeah. It's a seven out of ten for me. Seven. Mm, seven here. Sorry, okay. seven and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the show as the series as a whole, as in the season, was a seven out of ten. How would you rate the season as a whole? Yeah, seven. Yeah. Same. Ups and downs, ups yeah. and downs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the one true highlight, striking vipers, which you should definitely watch if you're pressed for time. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we'll be uh, talking about the second season of an enemy that we dearly loved, uh, mm. called One Punch Man. Um, we talked about it a little bit last month on Isa's Anime Corner, mm-hmm. uh, but now that the season is wrapping up, I guess we can talk about the season as a whole, maybe spoil a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, I guess we have to once again voice concerns about, or, or most of the fans' concerns about the issues of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio switch from Madhouse to JC Staff. Yeah. Uh, One Punch Man's highly anticipated second season. Proves to be worth the wait though Despite the reduction of animation quality Yeah I mean yes The animation is noticeably different And objectively shoddy In many instances <laughs> uh, But it doesn't detract from the series' real strength Which is its yeah. subversive comedy It's yeah. great writing uh, We pick up with Saitama As his hero's journey Cots challenges from new and old Super-powered rivals mm-hmm. An apocalyptic prophecy looms A hero hunter begins killing heroes And an organization called The Monster Association Seeks to destroy the Hero Association Yeah uh, The Stories race stakes only complements the show's uh, parody of shonen tropes mm-hmm. uh, and its penchant for deadpan punchlines or comedy through anticlimax. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the action scenes have left a bit to be desired this season. Yeah. Uh, but the lessons of each battle and the overall story and the characterizations of Saitama and a number of other side characters are very well done. Uh, more than any other superhero story, I think Saitama's openness makes. His struggle less physical and more philosophical. Yeah. Um. The story the season delves into Saitama's boredom, sense of anyway, you know, uh, more so than season one, mm. And so the focus is on the real meaning of being a hero, which has nothing to do with strength or epic fights. Yeah. But more to do with morals, courage, dedication, etc., etc. Yeah. You know, which you know perhaps makes Moomin Rider the greatest hero of them all. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh. So what what do you guys think of a uh, One Punch Man season two? Uh. Okay. Honestly. Yeah. I was okay with the drop in. The production of the uh, the quality of the the, the animation mm-hmm. because if you read the manga and the web comic, the, you know that it, yeah no yeah. he's not great you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the manga is a lot a lot better drawn and all that but even the manga has like characters are <laughs> really poorly drawn so it's not something that uh, was that that concerning to me mm. uh this this season also again very closely follows the manga right yes it is and. I, l- I like that the focus becomes less on Saitama and more on all the other side characters. So you have the introduction of King, you have introduction of Fubuki, you have introdu- not introduction but the expansion of these characters. Yep. You have the expansion of all the uh, Genos especially and his again his ongoing struggle to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yep. And the beats throughout the entire season were really on point. Mm. Like I, I, I felt that it was okay not to have great fight scenes. As long yeah, as you okay. had, you grounded in really good moral debates, lah. You know, when it comes to Saitama talking to King, you know, on, on I think episode ten, or is it episode nine? You mean while he holds the monster bird? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That uh, that's episode one. But I mean, like further on in the when they, they he was on the bicycle mm. ah, right. and they were just walking. Or even together. the martial arts tournament guy who you know um 
quite clearly despises heroes but then realizes the need for the them need why, for why their selflessness yeah. is important when he realized that he was just you know he was fucked up yeah and yeah. how again they, they kept true to form and had you know that go- uh, spoiler alert when they killed that big gonketsu monster gonketsu, yeah. yeah and how they didn't show the fight I yeah. was a little annoyed with that I Why? Have to say, because I, I like you didn't need to see It was a one punch la. Yeah Yeah exactly But at the same time Like that confrontation Would have been interesting right? I know but I, I, I guess But we knew that it was gonna end Yeah but Like they're framing Garo To be this This huge Kind of like looming Character right uh-huh. uh, As the As the top villain uh-huh. right, For this particular okay. uh, Season And the whole idea of like Above and beyond your physical attributes, like yeah. martial arts, plays a part. Yeah. In that, you know, and Gogetsu being the top martial, martial arts, arts monster, monster, would it would have been an interesting confrontation at very least, even though Saitama would have won it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a fan uh, manga that that drew out the entire fight. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know yeah. That. Okay. And it's really well done. Did I show you? Yeah, but again, the the shock of Shuru 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 Shuru. Yeah. His face, you know, when he saw the head landing, mm. you know, because he was like crying, like, "Oh my god, I, could, I should have done more to keep him and all that stuff." Then in your brain, you know, he's not gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know whether Garo is really being set up as the primary villain. Um, I, my opinion is that he's actually setting up the next primary villain, who is the child that he befriends, uh, uh, who, who I think he sees un- he sees Garu being unjustly beaten up by the other heroes right. there's the last part now yeah, yeah and that may be the origin story of the real villain who is the kid yeah I mean do you read the ma- okay you don't no read I don't yeah, okay. yeah there was just like a f- um, but that's an interesting thing. way of thinking of it yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can kind of kind of see that going going to happen also because mm. the manga is not that far from here yeah oh I yeah. see yeah, yeah it's, it's maybe I mean it goes on to, to more into the monster association stuff and all yeah. that but the manga builds up it takes so long to build up mm. To getting to the fight, you know, yeah, just yeah. like the season, lah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, um, really, I felt uh, I liked how true it 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 stayed to the manga and the web comic. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I was fine with the production quality. I just liked the the, the messaging, lah. What about you, Isa? I mean, you had already kind of gave us your thoughts uh, last month. Yeah. Any anything more to add? I I was just kind of annoyed. I I rather have the story and the season, mm. right, than have like it fully polished, mm. right. Uh, but at the same time, the bench was the benchmark yeah, was set very high. That's the only mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. And even more so when Mob Cycles Two animation this mm. season has been amazing, off the charts good, right? right? Yeah. Like they they had to make compromises even in that season just so that they could save enough money to do the finale, right? Mm. Which was mind blowingly good, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I wanted something of that same ilk to be present in One Punch Man too, okay. given how. Anticipated it has been Okay okay Right okay. Um, But overall again I would rather have the season Right uh, Because it's all polish mm. Right um, Than not have it at all Yeah Which we were Which we were count, What it was postponed Like three times Yeah You know over the years So uh, Overall Yeah I think Hardy Hit on most of the major points um, I do Enjoy like the very the very uh, small like slice of life moments right mm-hmm. I think that's more apparent <laughs> yeah. in this season than it was in the first season because mm. uh, the first season you had more of like a monster of the week thing going on mm. I love the fact that uh, Saitama only finds challenge in playing uh, video games against and getting King. whooped by King who constantly 
Right, I I find that it's hilarious. Right? Low kicks, low yeah, kicks, low guys. Kicks. Low kicks. Many yeah. subsequent, uh, many subsequent, <laughs> like weak low kicks. Which is actually yeah. a video game, a fighting video game trope. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which, which I I found, <laughs> but it was so funny. I, I laughed a lot. Yeah, man. Saitama sucks at video games as much as Anthony Mackie does, and that's oh my striking. god, you're right. He, I mean, I mean, the sex thing aside, like he was really terrible at playing that game. He yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he got killed all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um. In the end, I think a One Punch Man is a seven out of ten for me. I'll give you seven and a half. Okay. It's a seven for me. Yes, uh, I mean, still a recommendation despite the the animation you know drop. Uh, but you know, some people like Hadi may not be too bothered by that. Uh, it's just that I didn't read the manga and I was accustomed to a level of animation prior, so this one obviously affected me a bit, lah. Mm. Uh, so that was the only demarcation point. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about Godzilla Two, subtitled King of the Monsters. Uh, this sequel. To Gareth Edwards' Godzilla film And also a kind of sequel to Kong Skull Island Yeah uh, Addresses all the complaints levied at the 2014 movie Too many people Yeah uh, <laughs> when the f- when While the first movie was very light on kaiju action yeah. And heavy on tedious human drama uh, King of the Monsters is kaiju-centric to the extreme Yeah uh, 60% of this movie is glorious monster mayhem Thank And God. giant-sized kaiju splendor uh, whenever Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidorah, and the rest are in action, this movie is genuinely breathtaking, mm-hmm. beautiful, and I would say biblical in its skill. You know, yeah, it's yeah, awe-inspiring. Yeah. Uh, but once again, what drags the movie down is the boring human drama <laughs> and the tired old cliche of, oh, you see, humans are the real monsters. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, look, I understand that Godzilla movies traffic in eco and atomic nuclear energy allegory. Of course it does. I mean, that's the origin. Yeah. yeah, and when well done, it complements the monster fights really well. The problem is Hollywood is so ham-fisted in this regard. I mean, thank God, or Godzilla, uh, that this one has so much kaiju spectacle to compensate for its stupidity. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of Godzilla, King of the Monsters? <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown, I really could... Uh, that whole story arc with her and the mom and her... whatever. Could we really not done with that? Mm-hmm. If we, I mean, but they were there for exposition purposes also. Yeah. Uh, I like that the dad is like a... Can do all things yeah, Kind of yeah, guy yeah. Like oh strategy Oh I'm I, a I can do strategy Yeah, yeah no problem bio, I can, I can do biology I can do anything I can take a handgun And hunt down a SEAL team uh, He can probably dog. coach A football team too <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Oh nice nice <laughs> Reference there um, Friday Night Lights yeah, Reference yeah. there um, Big fan of that show guys Yeah, yeah. Really good football show But anyway uh, But holy shit That whole that whole battle sequence with Ghidorah and Godzilla was great. Mm. Um, I like the I like that story of the, the all these titans waking up and like uh, going towards the alpha. Mm. Um, that how to train your dragon uh, right? in a way, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking also. Yeah. Um, they also had the that paradactyl monster. I don't know what it's called. Rodan. 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 Yeah. Uh, Rodan's um, little story arc with Mothra was great. I mean, their fight scene, sorry, story arc. Yeah. Their fight was great. They were like that. That was like the spouse battle. Right. They were like the significant other to yeah. to Godzilla and Ghidorah. Yeah. 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 So that was great. The the B battle was actually yeah. also quite fa- uh, fa- uh, fantastic. Mothra effects, you know, the lights and all the the Beautiful. shimmering. Yeah. I was like, wow, you guys are all hypnotized, you know, because of the dust. You shouldn't breathe in moth dust. It's bad for you. <laughs> um. But yeah. Um. The Ken Watanabe I thought was actually the best human character, lah. Well, which he was in the last yeah. one if nothing for comic really his uh, spoiler alert sacrifice mm. you know and how he managed to like actually touch Godzilla and, uh, yeah. but after watching Chernobyl we know that he, you know, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't well, be alive after that but he was gonna expecting to die anyway so. yeah I know but you know he you wouldn't know, even have made it yeah he, he wouldn't have yeah. made it there yeah. but yeah that aside uh, great great um, what stupid technology and all that really 
you know the the, the human missile and all that stuff. Yeah. I really could do without all that lah, mm-hmm. and just focus on the battles. But they did they did focus on the battles. They really gave us really spectacular kaiju action, which is what we asked for. Yeah, and uh, I like the drop the hints of Kong. Yeah, that was great. Yep. So. Yeah, Kong vs Godzilla. Waiting for that next year, man. Uh, mm. What did you think about it, Isa? Did you watch it? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, still too many humans. Yeah, still too many people. Still, still too many humans that were unnecessary. The drama was unnecessary. I felt like the the fact that Titans are walking the earth, right, and everything is going to end, mm. is drama enough. Right, there's yeah. no need for all these extra like politically, uh, eco terrorism and all mm. of that. Like, I didn't feel it was necessary. Tyrion Lannister, yeah, yeah they, they Lannister particularly hate beaten. Boston for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Particularly Boston, fuck Boston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know because <laughs> they keep reading everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay. Um, I did really appreciate the fact that every almost every one of the Titans got their own presentation mm. at the beginning. An entrance. Yeah, ah, and all of them yeah, had an yeah. entrance, and you could see. Well, except for the turtle, lah. That was a bit a bit sad. Oh yeah. Mm. he barely. He's he like barely mountain moves, anything. and yeah. then like you see a rock. But that was quite cool, though. He was yeah. from Detective Pikachu, guys. That's right. Yeah. Spoilers for Detective Pikachu. All in all, like you know, all you really need, I feel, is is someone to kind of narrate. Yeah. Um, the kind of history behind Anthony Hopkins. Thing. Yeah. Um, sure. David Attenborough. Oh my god! Oh, I I would watch that. I would watch that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Planet Monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would totally watch that. Uh, I I did really really enjoy it, especially given the shit show that was the first <laughs> anime. One? Oh, the anime. Yeah, of yeah, course. Anime. Jeez. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed the first one. Mm. Right. I think uh, was it Duncan Jones? Uh, Gareth Edwards. Oh, Gareth Edwards. Yeah. yeah so with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Gareth Edwards was yeah. I, I thought his Kick-ass, version right? The original yeah. one Had some very Very beautiful moments Right yeah. And even though We didn't get as much um, Monster action and uh, Like we did in this one I did enjoy that mm. Significantly And it's a very Very different take From say Shin Godzilla Right mm. Which is a whole Political kind. Drama yeah. Shin Godzilla to me Right Is the most analogous To Chernobyl I've ever seen Oh you're right It's about The failure of bureaucracy Amidst yeah. a nuclear disaster People trying to cover their asses Exactly that, yeah. la. So when I actually Weirdly enough When I watched Chernobyl I thought of Shin Godzilla I'm oh. bit, Yeah to an extent Me too okay. Yeah, yeah okay. cause it's The same thing Yeah, It's just you know Different representations Of Correct. nuclear horror la. Yeah, uh, One is real And one is fake of course <laughs> <laughs> You sure I think The Russian government Said that the Chernobyl series Was fake I don't know la. I watch Godzilla wrestling I believe anything <laughs> Because of all the British accents <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Uh, if you aren't aware, these Godzilla movies take takes place in a le- in legendary so-called MonsterVerse. Uh, its connections to 2017 Skull Island. I'm not very explicit here. King Kong vs Godzilla is set to clash next year. Main event. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, I'm, I'm I, so curious how they're gonna do logistically work it out. Exactly. Um, I think my favorite scene in Kong vs Godzilla is gonna be when they stop fighting because uh, Godzilla screams Mothra. What did you say that name? <laughs> Sorry, it's a BBS <laughs> joke. I'm, I'm not. I'm not, not going to let go. Of that. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, overall, I think this is a six out of ten for me. Uh, it passes because of kaiju, action. I'll give it a seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a six point five for me. I need more kaiju and less humans. <laughs> okay. Now that Ken Watanabe is gone, right? Who's gonna deliver the cheesy ass one liners? We oh, are. Yeah. Let them fight. Yeah. yeah, no more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Maybe like no ha- no humans at all in the next. Yes, one. I, I hope so. Yeah. I think it would be amazing for you to be able to tell a story 
mm. without having the humans around. No language. Silent, silent yeah. movie lah. And your budget will go down significantly. Exactly. If you remember watching Kong Skull Island, I think that was a 15 or 20 minute sequence where it was just watching Kong go through his Do daily things. motions. Yeah, routines, yeah. It could be something like that. Oh, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Right, and narrate by believing at the bar. Oh, gets attacked in the water. Mm. Yes, oh yes. my god, it's a documentary. The next uh, movie is a documentary. Okay, I guess you can have David Attenborough if you want to. Like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. But yeah, on it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we will be going into a small segment that I like to call "Quick Hits," where I talk about all the various things that my co-hosts have not been able to see yet. Uh, firstly, I want to talk about my favorite thing this month. More than Toy Story 4 uh-huh. More than Good Omens uh, yeah. A great Tsuko uh, Netflix's Kawaii Metal Core Anime is back for a second season And if you recall Our review from last year yeah. uh, Which you, you should listen back We love the show um, Who could have thought That such a subversive Feminist gem could come From a cute anime Based on Well a cute character Not even an anime Based on a Sanrio character Now it's an anime of course um, Ostensibly it's a workplace Comedy drama Anime centering around The struggles of a red panda Named Red Tsuko mm-hmm. And it's quickly transcended its adorable, ki- adorably kiddie veneer to address some very grown-up issues. Yeah. Uh, it the first season dealt with misogyny, sexual harassment in the workplace, gossipy colleagues, and overwork. You know. Yeah. And uh, how our main character Retsuko deals with her stress by screaming death metal songs during karaoke. <laughs> and while the workplace troubles are still present here, this time sparked by a hypersensitive snowflake-ish new colleague. This season mostly deals with millennial anxieties. Mm. Uh, facing pressure from her mother to marry and settle down, Retsuko mm-hmm. now rages against a different kind of societal machine. Yeah. No longer the workplace environment, but more of societal uh, expectations of you to get married, you know, certain family, things like that. La. She struggles with more accidental millennial anyway. Uh-huh. Her lack of ambition, her fear of maturity, mm. why do we need to grow up? Uh, it's something a lot of us face, of course. Uh, in fact, this season... Themes deals with various aspects of quote unquote maturity and mm. how that can mean different things to different people. Uh, we encounter various men children, the aforementioned colleague uh, I was talking about, and a billionaire tech CEO who later becomes a love interest for uh, Retsuko. Yeah. Uh, they are obviously stunted, but perhaps because they just have different wants and needs, and we need to be okay with that. You know, different people are mature differently at different rates yeah. and have different definitions of what maturity is and what they want in life, lah. Uh yeah, I mean, the way the show grapples with all of this is very witty and also silly. Yeah, it's also nuanced and profound. Uh, it's more relatable in a way in season two. Uh, one of the ideas the show hits upon at the end challenges the expectations of ambition. Mm-hmm. Something I found very interesting. Uh, not ambition for yourself, but the ambitions others or society force upon you. In the end, you have to decide what makes you happy, and you have to be brave enough to stand by that no matter what. Yeah. Because Retsuko comes to the conclusion that she has no ambition. Uh-huh. She no, but she's hap- You have to. Come oh, but she's okay with that. She have to come to grips with being yeah. okay with that. Okay. If you want to be a worker, if you want to follow people, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know? no? like don't let other people look down on you just because that is what you want to do. Mm. You know, some people may not have grand ambitions to start up a company like her boyfriend, you know, mm. or anything like that, la. Or she may not want to get married, but that's okay. Hmm. You know, you do you, la. And that's essentially a great school season too. Uh, it's an eight point five out of ten for me. Ooh, Very strong highly recommend. rated. Yeah, second mm. season. And at only fifteen epi- fifteen minutes per episode, this is such a short watch. How many episodes are there? Eight episodes. Ooh. You can get to this through this in a couple hours. Less than that actually. Yeah, actually, I mean if you yeah. want. Uh. Hmm. Uh yeah, very well done. Why didn't we want <laughs> never mind. We got time, you know. Yeah. Uh go on a bus ride, you can f- f- finish like half the season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, I'll be talking about uh, a good show, mm. but something that I have kind of an issue with. Uh, it's a German time travel series called Dark. 
mm. It returns for a second season And it remains Dense AF lah Dense as fuck Super twisty Super challenging But also remains Very addictive mm. uh, If you thought That the causal time loops And family trees Of season 1 Was complicated Season 2 is infinitely Infinitely naughtier Now spanning 5 timelines Instead of 3 1921-1954-1983-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1
7.5 out of 10 uh, I demarket I, I bring it down slightly Because of the lack of character Drama, motivation, emotion Things like that But mm. I guess You know It succeeds in what it wants to be like. It doesn't intend For you to feel things It yeah, intends yeah. for you to think things So yeah 7.5 out of 10 Not bad, not bad, not bad. Uh, Sticking with Netflix now Let's go with the MCU's Latest and last addition uh, To the Netflix universe Jessica Jones It comes to an end With the third and final season Of Jessica Jones How Obvious, did this go? Yeah obviously There's a lot of pressure And expectation heaped upon a show That they didn't even know It would put Will be put in this position When yeah. it's filming right They know it's going to end yeah. The MCU Netflix uh, universe But the good news is Season 3 is much better Than season 2 oh, okay. uh, Featuring stronger storytelling And some genuinely compelling drama Between Jessica and Trish A.K.A. Hellcat Obviously, spoilers for season two. If you didn't watch it, it ended with Trish murdering Jessica's mother. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that you know uh, you can't get over. Mm. Uh, so it offers a meaty material. Uh, the bad news is that Jessica Jones season three is emblematic of every other Marvel Netflix season. Oh no, it's the same thing. It gets bogged down by this some truly dull subplots. It's a tale of two halves. From episode one to I would say six point five. Yeah, it is like watching pain dry, except pain dry is probably more interesting. <sighs> Uh, except for maybe episode 2 Episode 2 was really good It's a Trish-centric episode That was directed by Kristen Ritter Who is I mean, making her directorial debut Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So that, that was a really stunning episode And Ritter I think has a future as a director Because um, Some of her visual flourishes Really made the episode stand out Okay uh, The other episodes are very pedestrian Very yeah, simple yeah, yeah. right So but but basically was, Episode 2 aside The first half of the season Really sucks Primarily because It's new villain Is the most boring serial killer I've ever seen on oh television no. And keep in mind I watched the last two seasons Of Dexter, Dexter. You know? But then suddenly Developments in the last part Of episode 6 yeah. Kicks things into high gear And then episode 8 Really wowed me With a fantastic twist It genuinely made me jump And like you know Scream in my living room That kind of thing I think it's the best twist That any Netflix show Has ever done okay. And when you get The, the problem is Getting to episode 8 la. But it's episode a eight, amount of work Boy But episode 8 to the end Fantastic stuff It's amazing Probably like the best stretch of Marvel Netflix episodes I've ever seen Is those last 4-5 episodes Wow But you know You yeah, gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah. work to get there yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I wouldn't blame anyone for giving up Okay The last stretch is invigorating But also frustrating Because it reminds us of Marvel Netflix's Overall legacy lah in that when watching the shows at the height of their greatness We wonder why it's only that way 50% of the time mm-hmm. uh, As usual, it's a mixed bag of a season uh, Spoiler alert the, the finale actually features a cameo from Luke Cage ah. Who's now a crime boss in Harlem oh, yeah, uh, As we know from the end of Luke Cage um, It's a position he reluctantly took uh, And though his visit with Jessica was friendly to help her out It kind of teases that Luke Cage might be Jessica's next villain in... The ni- in the a proposed plus. new season In a proposed new season If there was going to be one Yeah Because uh, they, they said that they might Actually they just might. reboot the entire thing right? Who yeah. knows right yeah. uh, But Luke Cage being a Jessica Jones villain Seems like a very interesting direction But you know What could have been lah, I mean spoiler alert In the, the, the comics They're married right yeah. yeah They've been married for like 20 years exactly. It's not a big spoiler It's not a big spoiler Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's a 6 out of 10 Wow Yeah like 0 out of 10 For like <laughs> Ah okay First half but the <laughs> And then the end was great You okay. know it was great Yeah 6 out of 10 overall uh. If you can make it to episode 8 It's rewarding If not You know fuck it Give it up Yeah, yeah And just wait for the Disney Plus one to Let's come out Just wait for the Disney Plus one to come out Yeah Oh boy Okay I'm gonna wait I'm gonna leave uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix And it might be later later uh, okay. I'm gonna talk about Another shitty TV show right now Oh no It's called Nosferatu <laughs> It is Spelled as N-O-S Number 4 
Letter A Number 2 NOS 4R2 Before you go into this right yeah. The longest time When I saw this title yeah. I kept saying it as NOS 4A2 I never It never occurred to me That it was NOS 4R2 Yes uh, It is huh. NOS 4R2 I, uh, And I watched the trailer It really looks bad Yeah uh, It's adapted from An actually acclaimed Horror novel by Joe Hill Who uh-huh. is Stephen King's son uh-huh. uh, NOS 4R2 um, Is a new series On AMC Starring Zachary Quinto Okay uh, It follows uh, Victoria Vic McQueen A young artist Who discovers that She has a supernatural ability To track down The immortal villain Charlie Manx Manx feeds off The souls of children Then deposits them into Christmas Land, a twisted dimension of Max's imagination where every day is Christmas uh-huh. and unhappiness is against the law, so you must be happy. Um, oh, okay. So, the positive first Quinto is actually a really creepy villain. He's great at that. He has that face. Yeah, he's basically just doing his hero's character yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Uh, on the negative side, they show uh, sucks. <laughs> 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 on the negative side. This show sucks Yeah that, that is a review right there That's a review um, <laughs> Any flickering glimmer of quality Gets smothered by a drab visual palette And sluggish plotting And some crushingly dour tones mm. um, It's a 4 out of 10 for me Okay Yeah 4 for Nos 4 R2 That's fast uh, Next up we have X-Men Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. woo, woo. Uh, After 20 years and 12 movies, Fox caps off its run with the X-Men franchise by redoing the classic Dark Phoenix saga. As we all remember, <sighs> Brad Ratner's X-Men The Last Stand was a clusterfuck failure of epic proportions. Yes. yes. And the movie's writer, Simon Kimberg, the last stand's writer, mind you, Simon Kimberg, of all people, was given the task to write and direct Dark Phoenix. Keep in mind, this is his directorial debut too, so he has no experience at uh. all. Okay, but I was trying to be optimistic. You know, try to go in with a positive view, right? The story that gave me hope... Uh, have you guys seen Heat? Yes. It's directed by a great director called Michael Mann, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Michael Mann, if you did not know, had a mulligan. Much in the same way that I wanted to give Simon Kimberg a mulligan, you know? Like, yeah, you're second step, maybe you do better. Yeah. So, Michael Mann actually made a movie in 1989 called LA Takedown. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. It is fucking terrible. It's it is. horrible. Yeah. And then when Michael Mann became Michael Mann... Yeah, he redid the movie and called it Heat. And it was exact same script, line for line, just changed the actors. Yeah, and wow, Heat became like an all-time crime classic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can actually go YouTube uh, LA Takedown right now and you watch the diner scene between played by two completely different actors yeah. and see Ooh. the level of difference that wow. uh, great acting can can. Uh, infused into uh, a script yeah. know, Because they said The same lines The same words Set in the same position and that's But was so different Because the actors are different the actor, I mean Pacino and De Niro yeah, la, yeah, Like yeah. At, the the height, at, at the height Of their powers The la. greatest actors Of you all know. time They were kind of sliding At that point But they, they brought it For this, this yeah, particular yeah, yeah. script So yeah I thought you know Second step Maybe Simon Kimberg Can like do a heat Yeah so, no la. No <laughs> the, Far from it The good news is That the second step isn't as bad as the last stand, I think. The bad news is that it's not good either. Um, it's almost heartbreaking to see this incredible ensemble of actors like Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy kind of try to bring this soulless, toothless, and worst of all, dull film to life. Yeah. Um, I think after the highs of Logan and Deadpool, and even X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past, this was a sad way to end Fox's run and a fucked up way to once again disrespect one of comics' greatest storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, one wishes they could have done something less silly, uh, and with more emotional stakes and all closure, 
Uh, movies like this, I think, are the best argument for why the MCU needs to reclaim this IP. It has, um, right? It has. It has, yeah. I mean, it's the best argument for that, lah. Mm. I, I think, like, if yeah. the series or the franchise ended with Logan, perhaps people will be having doubts. But after it ends with this, people will will embrace Kevin Feige as the savior. Yeah, uh, I think that I saw watch this. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to jump in on this one? Oh goodness! Like, where do we begin? Uh, honestly, uh, it is it is kind of a waste, right? To be to to lose some of the characters that we've uh, come to know and some of the actors who have played them, right? In particular, for me, is Fastbender because as terrible as this movie was, Fastbender played the shit out of that role. Mm. He was good above and beyond. Say, no? Yeah, no. and it was and it, I mean, even McAvoy couldn't deliver, mm. you know, this time around. I mean, I'm not a big McAvoy fan. I think he always ends up playing the shmami schmuck mm-hmm. kind of character. But like this time around, I think Fastbender really did his best, right? In what was not just not just a m- mediocre and very very poorly done movie, right? Uh, but the concerns that um uh, people were having about the fact that they changed the entire ending because it bad too much similarity to Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel yeah. was disturbing, yeah. right? So I'm kind of curious as to if it could have been any better had they stuck to the original ending. No, but after this, like, I'm just like, you know what, what like what, whatever, like. I mean, like Sophie Turner. Um, the ending was like one of the problems. So it wasn't the only problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sophie Turner did. She did okay, right? I mean, definitely not anything as outstanding as some of hers. Uh, sensor Game of Thrones work Game of Thrones work yeah, Right yeah. Um, But She never I, And I had this problem With, with her appearing as uh, Jean Grey In the earlier movies as well Right She never really comes across to me As being Jean Grey mm. Right uh, mm-hmm. What was the actress's name I have no idea Yeah So I thought that she was Rebecca better Rebecca Romy No 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 no, 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 no. Uh, Mystique right Yeah um, Famke Famke Jansen Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, I thought she made A way better Jean Grey There was yeah. a lot more there Like um, The whole Jean's entire Confusion And her sense of betrayal And all of that Never really comes through With um, Sophie Turner's Kind of Very Almost Stoic Presentation Of it Right It felt like More like an Intellectual exercise That she was going through mm. In her head Than an emotional one Which mm. It's problematic because the whole idea is that Phoenix as an entity thrives on that, right? On Mm. like raw um, trauma, trauma, emotion, right? And that never comes across throughout the entire movie. So uh, I'm a bit sad to see X-Men go out this way. But I am hopeful for better things. and I think they wasted Jessica Chastain as well. Yes, I it, agree. Yeah. Um, no explanation. Yeah. No sort of explication as to where or who or what these things are. Yeah. Right. And She's we're just not supposed even to. Lendra. They could have just done Shia. You know why not? Right? I agree. Yeah. Uh, three out of ten for me. What about you? Uh, wow. Uh, I'm gonna give it a two. Nice. Uh, and that two is fast bender. <laughs> all, all, all fair. Fair criticisms. I think uh, the movie lives with fast bender. That's the only highlight. And uh, dies with Fastbender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, if they do recast Magneto, they just cast Fastbender again. I wouldn't mind actually. I I love Fastbender as Magneto. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Next up, I'll be talking about the latest installment of the Man in Black franchise, starring Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, aka uh, Thor and Valkyrie. The Revengers. Uh, the Revengers. I heard it's this was good. Man in Black International And it was amazingly <laughs> bad um, It looked fun in the trailers It did right? It did yeah. yeah But unfortunately This is just a, kind of a slog You've got problems When even Hemsworth And Thompson's chemistry Can't liven it up 
It's it's dull to the nth degree. Has zero energy. The plot is unnecessarily convoluted. This isn't technically objectively as bad as Dark Phoenix, but it's also less entertaining than Dark Phoenix. Ooh. It's the, uh, I've told you guys this. Yeah. This movie is aggressively meh. Yeah. Um. I'll take bad over boring anytime, yeah. and this is just boring, without any real flaw to it. To be honest, it's just so pedestrian. It's so weird that I mean, MIB has such so much potential to be a fun movie. Yes, it does. Uh, and with all the production issues plaguing the shoot, it's no wonder like, that this movie oh. sucks. Just Google Men in Black International production and be prepared to be to gasp at the fuckery going on behind the scenes. Um, I think with only one good movie out of four, mm. it might be time to take a neuralizer to this franchise and just end it, because at least like X Men was betting fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. This was this is betting at like twenty five percent. Man, Men in Black is just doesn't have legs outside of that first amazing movie with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it for this month's edition of Quick Hits. Next up, I'll be. You know, recommending some reading uh, material for you in a segment we have called the poll list. Mm. So we'll be talking about two topics this month. First is a regular review. It is a short story compilation by Ted Chiang called Exhalation. I feel, in my opinion, Ted Chiang is undoubtedly the greatest science fiction writer of twenty first of the twenty first century. Mm. Um, although he's best known for his nineteen ninety eight story. The story of a, of your life, which Arrival was based on, his other works have also won him Hugo Awards, Locus Awards, Nebula Awards. For a sci-fi writer, he he kind of won the EGOT. Oh. you know. Um, his latest book is a collection of nine short stories that can be catchily described as Black Mirror for optimists. Ah, oh, okay. And every short story in this in Exhalation is Arrival level genius or better. Yes, better. Um, all of them left me in awe, and they posit genuinely original thought experiments that this uh, sci-fi vet, like myself, has mm. never seen before or read before. Uh, my favorite is a story entitled "Anxiety is the Dizziness of Freedom." In the future, quote unquote prisms allow people to communicate with alternate versions of themselves in parallel universes. Yeah. Instead of wondering what your life could have been like had you made a different decisions, this prism lets you text, email, or Skype that version of yourself to find out. But as with any to- technology, there are hidden costs. Mm. So that's the premise of that story. Another one I loved was something called "The Truth of Fact, The Truth of Feeling," which is kind of two stories with intertwining themes. In the near future, a new technology allows people to record, access, and share every moment of their lives. And in the east, in the past. A European missionary teaches a West African boy how to read and write, mm. uh, which makes a similarly dramatic effect on the way he sees and shares the world. Yeah, uh, comparing you know various forms of new technology and how they change human consciousness and society. The framing device and juxtaposition juxtaposition were pure poetry. I would also like to highlight another particular favorite of mine called "What's Expected of Us," in which. <laughs> A fidget spinner esque device. It's just bit of fidget fidget spinner. Mm-hmm. It's called a predictor. It blinks green exactly one second before you push its button. So before you press it, it will blink green. So it knows exactly. For some, it's a harmless toy, but for others, it destroys the illusion of free will. Because of course it does. Yeah. Uh, a third of those who play the predictor must be hospitalized because they won't feed themselves. They just see their lives and existence as useless. A narrator warns, and that is kind of the story about this fidget spinner. Yeah, and it's really good. Uh, all these stories are perfect. No criticisms whatsoever. Ten out of ten. Wow, perfect book. Perfect book. Uh, next <coughs> up, I think to end, 
we will be talking about the shuttering of a beloved DC Comics imprint called Vertigo. Yeah. As many of you would have heard by now, DC has recently announced that it will be closing down the legendary Vertigo imprint after 26 magnificent years. But in case you haven't heard, yes, the Vertigo brand is being sadly retired as DC consolidates and restructures its publishing line. Okay. Uh, the good news is all the current Vertigo titles will be moved over to DC Black Label, which is their new mature title. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's the label that's most famous for like uh Batman showing his penis. Oh no. You know, that I remember that. Yeah. That was uh, unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. So Black Label is now the new home for them. Okay. But but Vertigo as a brand is dead, and it's sad because we all of us here grew up with various Vertigo comics during our yes. teens. As we sought to read darker and more mature comics, yeah, as we Vertigo, grew older. Yeah, as we grew older, Vertigo was the cutting edge of mainstream American comics. Yeah. Is the the HBO of comics, if you will. And it, it wasn't like edge lot kind of shit. No, no, that was image. Yeah, exactly. Um, it launched many medium defining works yeah. and minted generations of superstar creators. Yeah. And pushed through new frontiers in ways that can still be felt around the comics industry today. So a little backstory on Vertigo, if you guys don't know, mm. uh, it launched in 1993, yeah. officially. But the imprint actually began as a line of comics edited by Karen Berger in the 80s, before it was officially called Ber- uh, Vertigo. Berger, actually, was the editor who oversaw Alan Moore's seminal run on Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. which revitalized the horror genre in comics. Later on, the imprint took limping DC properties like Sandman, like Doom Patrol, like Animal Man, like yeah. Shade the Changeling Man, and rebooted, rebooted them as critically acclaimed mature titles, often with young British creators at the helm, mm-hmm. like Neil Gaiman, Grant mm-hmm. Morrison, and Peter Milligan. So these kind of new wave of creators push these limping properties into bizarre, unexpected, and inventive directions. Yeah. Along with the Swamp Thing spin-off Hellblazer, which yeah. you know kind of introduced John Constantine as the imprint's flagship character. Yeah. Yeah. These titles form the core of Vertigo's initial lineup. But even amidst all that, right, I think it's obvious to most people that Vertigo's signature success was the Sandman. Yes. Uh, because of Sandman, Neil Gaiman and his uh, artistic collaborators <laughs> elevated mainstream comics to literary heights and was recognized well outside the comic book community, you know? A true graphic novel. A true graphic novel, right. When Gaiman was done telling his epic fantasy story, Vertigo ended Sandman on his own terms. Yeah. Something very rare for comics, you know? But the world of Sandman continued to grow in spin-offs like Lucifer. Death and Lucifer and Sandman Mystery Trader, which mm. were all really good too. Yep. And then in the post-Sandman era, Vertigo continued to thrive with books like Garth Ennis' Preacher, Ooh. you know, uh, Warren Ellis' Transmetropolitan, yep. uh, Bill Willingham's Fables, Brian Azzarello's mm. Hundred Bullets, Jason yeah. Aaron's Sculpt, and just like take a minute to let those names sink in, you know, because yeah. they weren't a big deal before Vertigo picked them up. Yeah. The stars of Vertigo were not characters, they were creators. They established writers as superstars, you know. Um, before Scott Snyder became the definitive modern Batman writer, he earned critical acclaim for American Vampire on yeah. Vertigo. Before Brian K. Vaughan wrote Runaways and now Saga, yeah. he wrote Why the Last Man, another seminal Vertigo book. Yeah. All these careers were launched by Vertigo. Uh, and while I think Vertigo might be gone, I personally think its influence we felt around the comics industry forever. Yeah. I mean, do you guys have any like favorite titles or memories of Vertigo you want to share? I mean Sandman definitely yeah. right? 100% That's like your late teens you, you started reading yeah. Sandman and that was like holy shit this is a comic? Yeah, yeah it was you know? It was like yeah. this twin twin thing at uh, at DC you know with yeah. Watchmen coming out yes. and Sandman also Yeah. so yeah, like DC was really pushing the edge at that time Yeah and so that was when DC kind of overtook I felt like Marvel. overtook Marvel in, in, in telling stories in, in developing really 
diverse and beautiful worlds. Yeah. And yeah, lah, Vertigo was the the place to be. The place to be, lah. Yeah. So it's definitely sad, but also I hope that you know they can transform uh, Black Label. Oh God. You know. Yeah. I mean, it re- really needs a transformation. Yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah. DC Black Label doesn't have the best of reputations. Uh. Of course. Yeah. So, hopefully, the vertical. I mean, because the vertical writers are going there, right? Yeah. It, yeah. They're just kind of transferring to another. Exactly. Section. So, yeah. hopefully, that will we will have less Batman penis and more, you know, mm. diverse, crazy, um, surreal kind of stories, lah. Mm. Yeah, I hope so. If you could like rank your top three vertical titles, what would it be? <laughs> Sandman, Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, and Preacher la. Nice uh, How about you guys uh, Like thoughts on Vertigo And maybe like uh, At the end rank your top 3 Vertigo oh, titles I, I'm, I'm kind of sad Okay wait wait But oh. that was a cheat Because those are the only 3 titles I read Okay that's fair <laughs> yeah. Um, Wow uh, I mean it's definitely sad Right And I, I wish it, it, it could have been the other way around Right They yeah. should have just folded Like Black Label <laughs> yeah. Into Vertigo Or just drop Black Label Like I don't know what it is with Black Label and Batman Johnny Walker. and Batman's penis <laughs> yeah. and him peeing himself. Yeah. And I, I don't understand with that whole very strange phallic Black Label is the new image. Ooh. No, I mean, it's a bit unfair to image because uh, right now image is killing it. Like, yeah. They have Saga it, it, and all yeah. that, you know, monstrous. Yeah. yeah. Saga is great. Um, Yeah, it's kind of sad. I, I do, I mean, so long as the creators are around, I do have hope for, for new and big things to be coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they can continue Vertigo's legacy um, It's very sad To see the name die mm. You know Because like It is very The moniker itself Is very indicative Of what it became mm. Right um, When I see the Vertigo label It reminds me of the The static and the HBO Coming up on TV You know It rep- represents the same quality Yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's just sad Because like Vertigo was a stamp of quality Yeah Right That you always Always knew that Something interesting Something that pushes boundaries Will always come out mm. So It's a little sad But the creators Are still around So we'll see We'll yeah. see how Black Label does um, Top 3 Um Okay, I'm gonna say Sandman, of course. Um, uh, Transmetabolitan and Why the Last Man. Nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, for myself as well, Sandman obviously number one. Uh, Why the Last Man number two. Uh, three is Transmetabolitan. Ooh. Although I do have to shout out Fables, which I Ooh. really, really adore the uh, art. Fables for. is a close. close I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned Preacher already, Hellblazer, Doom Patrol, Hundred Bullets, mm. Lucifer, Swamp Thing, Constantine. so many Constantine, so many great characters <laughs> coming out of Vertigo. You know. Yeah. Uh, so sad to see it go And a lot of people forget That uh, we didn't include Limited series as well We didn't yeah. V for Vendetta man Cut them Yeah uh, A lot of great stuff From Alan Moore Yeah Came out on, came out on Vertigo yeah. Grant Morrison and all of that So many great creators Who are still working today yeah. Hopefully they find a home In Black Label Or maybe you know They go to Image Which a lot of them Have done also as well Brian, Brian yeah. K. Bond yeah. went to Image yeah. For example uh, And I think he has Two titles on Image He has Paper Girls And Sega Yeah uh, so, um, R.I.P. Vertigo, we hardly knew you, but you know, you gave us some great times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this is it for this month's edition of Genre Equality. But before we go, let's talk a little bit about what we'll be covering next month. What will we be covering? The day after you listen to this recording, yeah. a great movie called Spider-Man Far From Home will be coming out. Ooh. So we're excited for that. Also, yeah. we're excited to hear Beyonce in The Lion King. That's fun. Uh, Stranger Things 3 Which actually dropped A couple of really amazing trailers yeah, Some of the best have. trailer work I've seen yeah. In movies or TV actually mm-hmm. So it gets me excited For Stranger mm-hmm. Things again uh, We will be talking about The one and only season Of Swamp Thing uh, Speaking of Vertigo Yeah uh, We will also be covering uh, The new Danny Boyle movie Called Yesterday Which posits an alternate reality Where the Beatles don't exist Yeah 
will be that. talking about Child's Play, the reboot starring Aubrey Plaza and uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, Mark Hamill as Chucky. the voice of Chucky and also Paperboy. Uh, Paperboy. Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. <laughs> Paperboy. The guy is working, huh? Paperboy and Ken Reeves should just be in a movie together. Yeah. Oh my god, that's an idea. Yeah. Uh, I'll also be talking about an indie zombie comedy from Jim Jamush called The Dead Don't Die. Mm-hmm. And for my reading recommendation next month, check it out. It'll be uh, a short, another short story collection nice. called Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. Oh. For a title like that, guess who wrote it? Who? Raphael Bob Waxberg, aka the creator of Bojack Horseman, of course. <gasps> uh, so that is his new short story collection, which I haven't read yet, but I will go pick it up at Kino in a couple of weeks or something. Okay. And I'll read through it. Uh, till then, this has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Goodbye. Bye bye. Samaya, are you?